Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. So, I have a question. What comes up for you when you hear the word emotion? Or maybe the word feeling? If you're like many people, your reaction is actually discomfort. And I often hear from my clients that feelings aren't logical, which by extension means they are somehow less valid or informative than thinking. And in fact, many men just jump over emotions and straight to thinking because it seems easier. But The truth is our emotional system is our primary system. It's the one we're born with, and it's the one that keeps us alive. Yes, it can be confusing. Yes, it can be challenging to not only deal with your own emotions, but those of the people around you as well. But mathematics and reading were once confusing too. The difference? You spent time learning those subjects. And Too bad there isn't a class titled Emotions 101, but today my goal is to rectify that. And to help me, I'm joined by writer, coach, and facilitator, Peter Van Winkle. So, Peter, thank you for coming on the show and talking about this interesting but seems to be ever-present question about feelings versus thinking versus I don't know what all. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Leslie. You wrote a piece for the Good Men Project titled A Guide to Feeling for Men, which you talk about this feeling versus thinking kind of dilemma that I think many people find themselves in, but I think men especially find it challenging. So what makes feeling so difficult for men? Right. Well... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think feeling is difficult because it was disincentivized and we're, it's trained out of us. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, somebody said to me the other day, oh, people think that little boys don't feel as much as little girls. And I mean, I just had a baby boy and he feels everything. He feels, mm-hmm. he feels angry. He feels sad. He feels excited. And it's, I mean, we all know what it looks like when a baby is, you know, has got a, I mean, it just rips through them. And, and somewhere along the way, we shuffle the little girls into one bucket and we shuffle the little boys into another bucket. And that gets sort of more and more twisted. And, you know, until it's, you know, don't cry, you know, only mm. girls cry. And then, of course, if there's a little bit, you know, a little bit of anger is okay. But if it's rage or, or anything really too big, well, you got to control that. And then, of course, happiness and joy, giddiness, well, that's kind of girly and maybe even gay or something like that, you know, and, and, and no judgment here, of course, but just to say that the subtext of all of that, depending on what sort of context or what culture, where in, where in the, you know, Western hemisphere you happen to be, be raised up, uh, the subtext mm-hmm. is if you don't stop feeling, there's going to be a major punishment socially and potentially more than that. And it, it, it's, you know, it's going to be shunning. We don't like that kid. And so boys learn. And, and then when we, when we become men and then when we become partners and leaders and so on, it's like, oh, gosh, 
I, we turn towards that sort of field of our, of, of that, 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 that field and it's fallow and, and there, nothing's been growing on that for all this time. And it's like an, uh, or to use another me- metaphor, it's like a muscle that's just completely atrophied. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you say this and, and I recognize that in anybody who's who pays any attention to life relationships, whatever, sees this dynamic. But what is, and I know you've done a lot of, I, I know you write and, and think about this all the time, but why is it that that cognitive thought, that thinking is elevated over emotions? Do you have any, do you have any feel for that? Sure. I mean, when you say, why is cognitive thought elevated over emotion? I guess what you mean is in the culture at large or in men in particular. Um, and I think you're right. I think, you know, in a way, the culture is the patriarchy or is the, is the, is the dying patriarchy or is the vestigial patriarchy. And so, you know, me, uh, rationality is good. Irrationality is bad. Um, and, and, and I, I, I imagine it's, it's going back to control. I mean, you know, the, the Salem witch trials or, or sort of similar manias throughout history where a sort of subversive or even, um, you know, an element of the culture that was seeking to potentially provide some sanity and some healing and an insane or some feeling is just totally, totally brought out because it's, it, you know, the Pope can't control it. The emperor can't control it. You know, Caesar can't control it. Well, whoever it happens to be. And, you know, there's, there, there, that sort of gets lodged in the bodies of men. And, but, but like you, you, you point out, not just men in the culture at large, it's sort of like, it's the better emotion. It's the, or not the emotion. It's, it's the better um, activity because it's more productive. But of course, what does productive mean? It means good for capitalism. It means good for keeping things organized. It means good for keeping the wolves out of the, you know, keeping the wolves out of the, the sheepyard. I mean, everything is about keeping death, grief, wildness, fecundity, emotion, femininity, darkness at bay, which is all lumped into what we might call the shadow. Right. But the reality is we can't keep it at bay because whether or not we want to acknowledge having feelings, we all have them. So, Got it. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of throws me to that Dr. Phil question. How's that working for you? Because it seems, right. I mean, because I know that, that that emotions are seen as feminine and weak and all this other stuff, but on some level, part of the reason why we do, as a society, why we do a lot of things, go to war, whatever, is is because of a feeling. We feel threatened, right? So, yeah. you know, this this country, this tribe, this whatever is threatening us. And so there's this feeling that we want to preserve it. So how I'm, I'm a little confused here. Help me out. That's a great, that's a great point. So just to, I'm going to paraphrase it just so I can get a handle on this. Um, but your point is, okay, so, so rational thinking is elevated in the society. And yet when we go to war, we seem to go to war sort of 
on the 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 roller bearings or right, with the wind of the emotion of people behind us and that's a really interesting point you know because emotions are sort of i think what 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 that reveals is the the sort of nefarious understanding of the powers that be that like you said we all feel we all have emotions and the job of of any good sort of empire is to create a structure that keeps the emotions um, essentially out of view of uh, anything that would disrupt the the machinations of the of the capitalist structure. But then when it comes time to, you know, take on somebody else, which, by the way, in the background always fuels the military industrial complex, um, mm -hmm give people because the thing is like emotions are not going to be productive when we're fighting against each other but if we can find a common other a common scapegoat and charles eisenstein mm -hmm. wrote an article about this just this week um called mob morality and the unvaxxed which is a really amazing look yeah. into how this exact thing is being mobilized i mean right now in the sort of the latest victim or the latest um scapegoat in the culture war is now the unvaccinated and so people's emotions are being uh, used against them. And so emotions are here. But again, if we were to drill down to the individual level, like, because we're comparing the, the, in, the, the individual that like doesn't feel emotions really well, like the, a man to mm -hmm. this phenomenon where emotions are sort of marshaled and mobilized on behalf of an entire culture. And I think um, if any person I mean, this is why my work is around helping people become soul directed, because the bottom line is if the reason you're mad at someone and are saying, yes, let's go to war and bomb them is you have to look at that. Like, that, mm -hmm. really, you stand for war. OK, you have an emotion. You feel angry. You feel just right. But, I mean, th this is this is the mob. And, and if a person is is. That is the most. Um, I would say twisted justification of a person's emotions because a you're not taking responsibility for it b you're getting along behind a machine that is just going to subjugate and oppress and and murder others at worst right and c there's you have no consequences it's just sort of this you know release valve of your own and so what people need to do is take responsibility and, and you're right to take it to that global level because at the end of the day it's not just about the stakes are not just about if we get along with our wife or our kids or our, you know our boss but how we organize culture and justify violence right because that's feeling based and in your article you you offer what i call a how to feel primer and you talk about some things that will support a more positive outcome in terms of acknowledging and managing our own feelings. And so I'd like to start with the first one. You talk about mindset. So, I mean, and of course, yeah. that's one of these, you know, buzzwords right now. Um, but, but what exactly are you talking about when you talk about mindset and what makes it important in terms of feelings? Yeah, and I don't have the article right in front of me, but I, I, I think what I meant by mindset is, um, and maybe if you've got in front of you, you can tell me if this is what I meant, but <laughs> recognizing what 
it is we are doing, like attempting to do. Um, so, for example, um, if we are, oh, now I remember what mindset is. So mindset is we're not going to feel our feelings so that we can go back and win the argument once we feel our feelings. You know, we get into an argument at work or at home. Uh-huh. Well, let me go out and feel my feelings so that I can get clear, so that I can come back in and blast you, right? Like that's <laughs> not the intention. The in- mindset might as well be called intention. The intention is, oh, I've got a charge. I've got a lot of energy in my body. It, it could be sadness. It could be overwhelm. It could be um, anger. It could, it, could, it could be fear. I don't know what it is, but my mindset or my intention is, has nothing to do with anybody else. I mean, it, it might have something to do with somebody else if I'm going to make myself safe and set, set a boundary, but ultimately mm-hmm. our mindset is about taking the step to set an intention to say, I'm going to enter into this sort of um, crucible of, of, of letting my emotions have their way with me so that I can be more or less um, controlled, whipped by these interior forces that I don't understand. And, and really what they just want to do is, is, is rip through us and have, have us acknowledge them and honor them and then move on through so that we can re- come back and respond to the situation rather than react and, you know, sort of take sc- you know, keep score and all that. Well, you said something that that I think is a really critical point, and I apologize because I don't remember exactly the words you used, but it was it was talking about that moment when somebody recognizes that something is going on inside of them, and you label you know you label that well they're having a feeling right they might be feeling anger or frustration or fear, um, and and I'm wondering if that may be where where people kind of miss it that 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 they don't either they don't recognize that do they does everybody recognize that that's happening or is that really where the first step is that oh Definitely. my body something my body what something that that my body is actually doing something i'm you know i'm i'm feeling like maybe my face is hot or my stomach hurts or there's there's an actual physiological something going on right Totally. That's exactly the spot that, that, that is, you know, that's, that is, I wouldn't say that that is necessarily the first step. In a way, that's the, the goal of the work is to get to the place where we eventually can recognize that. And, you know, as, as Viktor Frankl said, you know, create that gap between stimulus and response. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of the metric. How, how, how much am I able to, in the heat of it, go, wow, okay. I'm getting really hot in the face. I'm feeling short of breath. Um, and then I'm going to, you know, set, set a boundary for myself. I'm going to leave the room or take my anger out of the room, or I'm, I'm going to take some space for myself. But I think, you know, a lot of times when guys or anybody starts to work with this, that is still the elusive moment. And so really what we're trying to do is um, a kind of task that I think sort of like how waters fill all the levels of all boats. It's like, um, we're really trying to learn to self-parent. We're trying to learn to unvictim. We're trying to learn to self-resource and, and, and self-love. And so even if I'm not in the moment, but I'm doing a meditation practice, I'm doing therapy, I'm doing some kind of analysis or healing practice, or 
you know, yoga, anything embodiment-wise, I am creating, I'm feeding the aquifer of my body's ability to resource in moments of stress. And so, yeah, the goal is to be able to pause when the going gets hot, but it's really, I think, a back and forth between, okay, let me, I'm I'm out of the moment. Let me do my self-love work. Let me take care of this little one. Okay, there's some feelings. Let me, let me, let me, am I say this little one, my inner child, let me be with that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, here comes a live experience. Oh, I just, I just missed it. Okay, that's okay. Let me go back. And, And each time noticing Oh, I got a little bit, I got another, you know, micro moment. I got a half a second. I got, you know, three seconds. Wow. And eventually able to go, not only am I taking care of myself in the moment and being able to recognize and then mobilize my response, but after the fact, I'm taking responsibility and really all the time, I'm taking responsibility for the fact that my feelings are my responsibility. My behavior is my responsibility and my consciousness is my responsibility, regardless of what's happening around me. Well, and that's so important, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with writer, coach, and facilitator Peter Van Winkle about the importance of feeling emotions. And if you struggle with this, please know that you are not alone. But like learning to drive a car, effectively feeling your emotions is a skill that you can develop. It can be a bit scary at first, but with practice and maybe a guide, you can do it. And if you want to learn more about how, then I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me and schedule a time to talk about this. You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to continuing this conversation about emotions, feeling, and how um, people can learn to, to do this better. So, Peter, in the article, and you just mentioned this briefly, you talked about emotional resourcing. So what is that? Yeah. um, It goes back to this self-parenting idea. It's like taking care of ourselves. It's like when we send our child off to school or off to camp, right? We make sure that they've got their, their bag lunch, their extra water bottle, their change of clothes, their sun protection, their hat you know, whatever that, you know, every, they've got, they got their resources so that when the moment comes, they can reach for whatever. For men in an emotional situation, when we are accustomed to feeling like we need to quickly react, we might learn to pause, draw breath, um, feel our feet in the earth, Maybe look out out the window if there's one nearby. Um, maybe self-massage. We can get to a bathroom, take a drink of water, and just breathe for a few minutes to get away from the situation. Maybe listen to some music, roll down the window. I mean, all of mm-hmm. these are a kind of way of introducing, you know, some kind of a resource, a tactile resource, a physical resource, a psycho-spiritual resource, an emotional resource that that sort of, gives us more um, resource, for lack of a better word, maybe if I need another word, I would like give us 
more uh, ammo, so to speak, than just sort of getting by on like the thing happened and I'm going to fire back with all I have. Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. I think we all know that that is almost 99% of the time not actually the best course of action. Yes, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, and this is this is where I get a little bit crazy with some, you know, with some relationship advice about don't ever go to bed angry. And it's like, okay, please just, <laughs> well, I mean, and I suppose the solution to don't go to bed angry is deal with your own anger, but don't continue to have a conversation with your partner at three o'clock in the morning because that's not going to go well. Um, you know, I mean, this this idea that there are, ways of approaching these things that, you know, how do I talk about, you know, having an emotion, an emotion 101 class, because nobody's actually taught this. And, and in fact, what you said earlier, and, and I recognize is that people are actually taught the exact opposite, right? They're not taught to, oh, I'm having, I'm having this, this feeling, let's, let's take a moment and figure out what that's about, as opposed to just acting on it. Or in, in the case of a lot of people, actually just suppressing it. So it sounds like people have actually been taught opposite to what is actually helpful. Am I even on the right track there? Oh, definitely. I, I think, you know, emotions, the whole culture is afraid of emotions. I mean, the fact that we've got, you know, Michael Phelps having to appear on the, on the Olympics, you know, reassuring everybody that Simone Biles, a woman, by the way, um, right. is okay, you know, is okay for having some depression and having some anxiety or whatever she's dealing with. Some mental, like, it's 2021, and we need to be reminded that it's okay to not be okay. Like, the fact that that, that sentence is even brand new just mm-hmm. tells you all you need to know about the culture cannot handle, especially, you know, on a sort of mass culture level like TV and, I mean, Everything is keep it positive, keep it peppy, keep it going. And I think, you know, it speaks to our fear of death. I think it speaks to our fear of losing control. I think it speaks to our fear of of being exiled from the tribe. And all of these mm-hmm. things keep us sort of, you know, lying to ourselves and lying to each other. And worst, lying to children and having them think that they've got to show up and somehow have it all together. So, you know, kudos to Simone Biles and kudos to, you know, Naomi Osaka and Michael Phelps for being like, yeah, okay, well, you know what? Getting a gold medal, even competing is not everything. Because that, right. gives, that gives people, for every one of those people that does that, it gives people the sense of like, gosh, maybe I can be okay just feeling anger or sadness or anxiety or depression or whatever. Well, cause, because you and I both know that, not feeling it, first off, I should, I should say we do feel it, not acknowledging it and not dealing with it. The actual process of suppressing it actually makes the whole process worse. It's sort of like, you know, when somebody says, don't think about pink elephants, what just popped into your head, right? So it's like, well, don't feel this. Well, it, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to bubble underneath the surface and come out in uncontrolled and quite frequently unproductive ways. So I did want to ask you, um, you have a process for that, for, um, that will help people get more in touch with their feelings. 
Can you describe that process? Yeah. Um, this is from my article, How to Feel. Is that what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, i trying to remember what I wrote, but I think the rough idea is like this. Um, so what I say is, we're, what we're going, what we're shooting for is to be able to feel the feelings on the fly and to be able mm -hmm. to identify them and respond on the fly. Now, obviously, that's not, especially at first, that can be tough. And, and at any stage, that can be tough. I mean, for me, that's tough. Mm -hmm. And But the best time to work with this is when the sort of situation is over. Let's say it's a fight with your partner and it's not going anywhere and you know, you're at your wit's end and somehow or another you're taking a break. You're, you know, she's, he or she or they is, is, is going for a walk and you've got a half an hour, you're going for a walk, whatever it is, you've got some time to yourself. And mm -hmm. the first thing I say is when you've got that time, just make sure you, what I recommend is find a place that you can go by yourself where you can be safe. And I talked about in this instance, the resources of, you know, space, and time, maybe even soundproof, if you can get into another building, have some water, have a blanket, maybe have some music. The idea is set yourself up. I'm going to sort of explore. The, now, that, that, that's the ideal, but we don't always have those things. But the idea is get away and get some time. Uh -huh. The next is to, um, yeah, I would say um, sit very still and very quietly. Um, try to still the mind. Um, you know, not don't rehash the argument and sort of send it into the left brain. Actually breathe the content or the emotion or the overwhelm down into the body, down into um, the, the body and, 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 and just notice what else happens. It's kind of this okay. iterative process. Um, and maybe another sensation comes up. Okay. And now maybe you go back up to thinking. So now we said no more thinking, come back down into the body. Okay, now I felt my shoulder. And so it's really this process of, of softening, allowing that body part or that place to open, and even moving a little bit. Like, you know, if you've got a little room to move in your office or in, your ba in the bathroom or wherever you happen uh -huh. to be, you're just allowing it to have its way with you, really. Even if you just give it, 10 seconds of, okay, I'm able to turn my brain off for a second. Wow. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and what's going to happen is that the mind is going to try to cl clamp back around it. There might be coming mm -hmm. some fear. Did anybody hear me? Did anybody see me? What just happened? And then you just, again, like I said, iteratively, okay, take another breath. Maybe I want to do another 10 seconds, maybe another 20 seconds and, and allow, and, and, you know, there's, there's further ways to get into this. There are, practices and specific um, breath patterns that work for different emotions. So a lot of times people don't know what they're feeling, but for example, if you're feeling fear, it can help to work with um, continuous inhale, long exhales. If you're working with anger, it can help to work with sharp movements and quick, powerful exhales. If you're working with depression, it can really help to work to move the feet and let the head go and get the body just moving. And so but on a basic level, right, that's getting into specifics. On a basic level, mm -hmm. it's take space, take space, move the breath, get it into the body, and get curious iteratively. Again, when you start thinking, come back into the body. 
even just doing that without any guidance, any coaching it or anything, even if you just put on a favorite song for 30 seconds and just move to it, what will happen is the brain from a sort of OCD standpoint will stop ruminating on even by 10 or 15 or 20% on the original thing, which will allow us to grab some purchase and then be able to make a different choice. It's really about training the body to be able to not only feel, but stop the thing that we do to not feel, which is think. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, <laughs> and, and I like the idea that, you know, it's, it's something that people can build on. It, it's sort of like any other kind of exercise. You know, my, you know um, if you want to run a marathon, you don't just get up one morning and run 26.2 miles unless you're crazy. Um, but, you know, you actually, you actually start out, you know, and you start, you start it more simply and, and, you know, for a shorter period of time to kind of get yourself attuned to it. But you have talked, you've mentioned it a couple of times in our conversation, and you mentioned it in the article about the power of fear. And I, right. my personal opinion is fear is the most powerful emotion on the planet. And so what is a way for people to, here's, a, here's an interesting question, not to be afraid of fear. <laughs> right. A, right? What do people yeah. do with fear? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it actually makes me realize that the, the, the practice that I just gave, in a way, is more of an intermediate practice. So I'll offer what I'm about to offer as an answer to the last question and to this one, which is, um, you know, just being able to get away for a minute. Like I mentioned the bathroom, because a lot of times mm -hmm. we're in the moment, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go to the bathroom and I'm, I'm in there for three, four, five minutes by myself. And mm -hmm. this works for fear. Um, you know, slowing down the in-breath, um, really slowing down the exhale. So in-breath for one, two, three, four, five seconds. Exhaling for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then, you know, longer exhale, do five or six rounds of that. Um, what that tells the body physiologically is I am acting as if the information that I'm getting from my brain that is telling me that I'm in danger, I'm acting as if that's not true. Mm -hmm. And the body is learning, oh, the brain says one thing, but the body seems good. And as the body starts to get, continue to be good, then the brain gets wind of it and says, oh, maybe we actually are okay. And, and mm -hmm. the deal is that the, the physiology of the body needs to gradually be um, sort of, I don't want to say controlled, but like we've got to get a hold of it because when we have the story that there's something wrong and then, oh, here goes the breath and I can't breathe. Oh, there mm -hmm. I go again. Now here I'm going down the rabbit hole. Yet the body gets worse. Like we have to break that. And the way we break it is by um, taking a chance that we might be okay and allowing the body to grab some handhold of, of that, that it is okay. And so um, it's hard. I mean, I've had these moments of panic myself and these moments mm -hmm. of intense fear. And, you know, when those come, we have no, uh, we have two choices. We can believe it and freak out 
and or you know reach for whatever our drug is or we can stop and i mean it's agony it's agony but it's the way out the way out is through and yes as you know mm-hmm I know, and everybody everybody tries everybody tries another way, but it actually doesn't really work. So, Peter, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing this important information. Um, can you please tell people where they can read more about this or or um, learn learn how to how to feel? Yeah. Well, my website has all kinds of blogs on this. I've been on a real kick about emotions lately. I'm obsessed. And then I'm, I'm actually doing a five week, uh, virtual, you know, zoom, uh, men's group and masterclass called emotional flow mastery, which starts September 14th. And it's five weeks of essentially becoming more intimate and courageous and sort of literate with our emotions through, uh, like I said, a men's group practices, embodiment, breath work, and some cutting edge content around like what is happening to us when we feel. Um, and yeah, but on that, you know, people are more than welcome to reach out uh, via Instagram or my website. Everything's Peter Van Winkle. And uh, I'm, at, I'm at, you know, your service and whoever is out there that, that needs that. Okay. And, and note that that's P-I-E-T-E-R, Peter, <laughs> just so that you can find yeah. it on the website. Uh, but you know, and it's interesting because um, you know the idea is that think, people thinking that they don't have feelings makes about as much sense as thinking that you don't need to breathe. And we were talking right. about breathing and how that's connected. And because these things, both feeling and breathing, are automatic processes. The difference is that not thinking about your breathing really isn't a problem because your body's going to do it. But not knowing what you're feeling and why you're feeling it can ruin both your day and your marriage. So I mm. highly recommend that you take this, you know, that, that if you want to learn more about this, please go to Peter's website. Please check out other um, shows on this podcast. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs> <laughs>